Alright, well we started this series called The Character of Worship last week, and uh, I feel like I'm far away from you guys today. Nobody sits on the uh, spitting row, on that first row there. Um, so I'm going to scoot up a little bit, see if I can't hang with you guys. How's that sound? Um, and we, we started talking last week, we talked generally about uh, character, um, character in, in the general sense. Today I want to talk about integrity. Now, if you look at at what we're talking about today, you can say, wait a minute, didn't he talk about that, didn't he talk about that last week? Is he repeating his message? Is, is he just lazy? And I'm not, I promise you, but as I studied integrity and studied about what integrity is, uh, integrity is, it sounds the same and it feels the same, but it's a little different. Because while you, uh, you and your character are known because of your actions, in, in other words, the actions that you take, reveal your character like we talked about last week, the in- integrity is the choices you make that lead to that action. Does that make sense? The choices you make here and in your heart that lead to the action is what we are going to talk about today. Let me define integrity. We are going to blow through a lot of scripture today, so if you have a Bible around you, I encourage you to grab it, and we're going to roll through some of this stuff. Um, But let me define integrity. In fact, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 9. We're going to camp there for a little bit. Um, We're going to look at two guys today. Three, really, but we're going to focus on two. And let me define integrity for you. It comes from the Latin root of the word, word, and that's integer. Y'all know what an integer is? Math people? Anybody? Because I ain't got a clue. I, I forgot. Now, integers, like, isn't it, isn't it the, the base number that you can get to, right? It's like the number, like one, can't really be divided, right? Three, you can't divide that. Seven, you can't divide that, right? I mean, three and a half, right? But, then, but you can't divide it evenly. <clears throat> so here's what, here's what it's getting to, what, what integer is, or integrity is. Other words that share the same root word as integrity are entire, like, like, complete or integrate. So, our integrity is this. And this isn't in your program, but I wanted to share this with you. Integrity is the quality or condition of being whole, complete, unbroken, and undivided. And like I said, it comes from that same root word, to integrate. So, when the Bible talks about integrity... It speaks of every decision you make, every choice that you make. It it speaks about something that you integrate into your life. Does that make sense? The choices you make become you. That's what your integrity is. And so your first point is, your integrity is the culmination of your actions which reveal your character. Y'all write that down. That's good stuff. I just, I just made that up. That's great. You know? No, this, this, is, this is the culmination of your actions, or, or in, in this case, it's really the culmination of your choices that you make, which reveal your character. Everybody with me? I'm not confusing anybody yet, huh? Because I'm still confused. I felt confused when I was looking at this. Let me, let me kind of illustrate this a little bit. When we, we had a friend... He was, he was not a Christian, but he was a great guy. And we started uh, a, a church uh, out in Texas. And um, 
he was an awesome guy, but very um, scientifically minded, very smart, and did not believe in God. But yet he showed up to every function we ever had. I mean, ever. Service, he's there. Coffee, he's there. Everything, he's there. He was inviting people over all the time. I mean, he, it, was, it was very, you would say strange, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it strange because he wasn't strange. But it was very odd sometimes because this guy who was not a Christian, did not believe in God, could care less, came to everything we did. He just loved hanging out with us. He was very social. And in fact, he had the gift of, uh, of hospitality. And he loved, loved, loved hanging out with us, cooking food for us, all that kind of stuff. And, and he, shut that door for me, will you, Cliff? He, um, he would have us over all the time. And, and one day, when we had Ty, it was, it was a, few, a week after we had Ty, he comes up and he's got seven blankets for us. We're like, well, thanks, Pife. Appreciate that, buddy. And he's like, yeah, sure, my mom made them. We'd never met his mother. Not once. I mean, it was, it was, it was just the strangest thing. And she sewed, hand-sewed, seven blankets for us. And this is one of them. And, and so we've got... All these blankets from a woman we've never met. And so, you know, we're just thinking, well, this is, that's really nice. And, and if you look at this, I mean, the time that it takes to put into this, it's not like she, she just kind of threw it together. These are individual pieces of fabric. This alone, I don't know, it had to take in hours, if not days. And there's seven of them. So we're sitting there thinking, well, thank you, Pipe. And we wrote, you know, we wrote her a letter and, and said thank you, and uh, we really appreciate it. And, I, and I, I look at this all the time, and I'm just amazed. From a woman we've never met, who stitched things together for a, a boy she's never met. But here's the thing. With Pipe, he got all of those qualities that I was talking about, his hospitality, his love for people. He got those from his mother. You could tell, because he was always trying to serve, and this was her way of serving. And as I look over this, and I see all the different fabrics and crosses and, and different things here, I think, man, how, how long did it take to integrate each and every one of these? I mean, let's be honest, this ain't the most beautiful blanket you've ever seen in your life. But if you look at it and you say, how much time did that take? It quickly becomes very beautiful. Because you realize how, how much stitch work is in here. How much, how much time she sat at a sewing machine going over and over, looking for scraps around her, around her house or maybe even going out and buying it. And she took each one of these fabrics and integrated it in to make a whole blanket. Integrity is something that you take in your choices and it becomes you. It makes you who you are. Sometimes you don't make the right decisions. Maybe I'm the only one that's made a few unwise choices. And sometimes you get a little snag 
And you've got some good parts, but there's some, some bad parts. But overall, somebody can step back and say, that's a man or woman of integrity. But if they look up close, maybe they find a few things here and there. Maybe they find some places that need to be sewn up a little bit better. Maybe they find a few strings that are hanging loose. But here's the thing about integrity. We have so many examples in Scripture of integrity. So many examples that are good and so many examples that are bad. Today I want to look at at a couple of guys. The first is Solomon. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Kings, 1 Kings chapter 9. We're going to look, we're going to read verses 4 through 9 right now. And then we're going to, we're going to, like I said, we're going to read a lot of scripture today. So if you're sleepy, get some coffee over here, okay? Grab, grab some coffee or something because we, we're going to roll through this because the point that scripture makes when it comes to integrity is, is just mind-blowing to me. Verse, uh, verse 4. God, God is talking to Solomon. He's just gotten done building the temple, and God says, way to go, Solomon. I'm going to fill this temple with my glory. And in verse 4, he says, as for you, if you walk before me in integrity of heart, we're going to kind of do a little word study on integrity in Scripture this morning. If you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, that was his dad, and do all I command and observe my, and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. And then there's the but. And this is where Solomon has a choice. He says, but if you and your sons turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them, and I will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. And though this temple is now imposing, all who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, Why, is the Lord, why has the Lord done such a thing to this temple, and, or to this land and to this temple? People will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of Egypt, and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why the Lord brought all this disaster on them. So we see Solomon has a choice here. Every day you and I make choices that affect our character and our integrity. Our actions reveal our character to people. Our integrity... It comes from the choices that we make which lead to those actions. Jump over to verse, uh, to chapter 10. Now, notice he mentioned uh, Solomon here. I mean, uh, David here. David, his father, if you know the story about David, David was a king who didn't exactly start out in the greatest of ways. He was a king, and he's hanging out on top of his roof, and he sees this lady taking a shower because they had showers on the roof, and he's like uh, telling his servant, he's like, go get me her. And she was married, so he committed adultery. And, and, then, and then he couldn't live with himself, so he had her husband killed, Uriah. This doesn't scream integrity. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, this, this doesn't say, oh, David's a man of God. Uh, but yet, the Bible talks 
about how David is a man after God's own heart. How's that possible? Well, here's, here's how it's possible. Because when it comes to integrity, it, integrity doesn't mean you don't make bad choices. Everyone's going to make bad choices. Integrity doesn't mean you don't screw up sometimes. Integrity means you own up to those bad choices. It means that you stand up and you say, my bad, I'm sorry. You apologize to who you need to apologize to. You get two people who you have hurt. That's integrity. And David, when he was confronted, broke down and said, I am a sinner. I am messed up. I screwed up. And so he was a man who wanted above all things, especially his sin, God. Chapter 10. Look at... uh, Well, hang on. Let's go back to to chapter 9 just a little bit. Look at verse 10. Chapter 9, verse 10. We start to see hints of things not so right. 10 through 14, it says, At the end of 20 years, during which Solomon built these two buildings, he built the temple for God, and then he built a house for himself. The temple and the royal palace. King Solomon gave 20 towns in Galilee to Hiram, king of Tyre, because Hiram had supplied supplied him with all the cedar and pine and gold that he wanted. In other words, to build this stuff, he took a loan out with Hiram. And so to pay Hiram with what's called collateral, he said, let me give you some of these towns. 20 towns. But when Hiram went from Tyre to see the towns that Solomon had given him, he was not pleased with them. What kind of towns are these you have given me, my brother? He asked. And he called them the land of Kabul. This means the land of good for nothing. It means they're worthless. He's like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. A name they have to this, to this day. Now Hiram had uh, sent, the king, sent to the king 120 talents of gold. So for this gold, Solomon says, all right, Hiram, let me give you these towns. And Hiram's like, cool, this is great, I get 20 towns. And he goes, rolls out and looks at them and he's like, what is this? You know, this is like El Paso. I mean, what good am I going to do with this, you know? I hope nobody's from El Paso, I'm sorry. I just, I just imagine a big dusty land. You know, I, I, just, I just, you know, what, what is going on here? These are worthless. So we start to see little hints of, of Solomon not fulfilling and owning up to the integrity that he needs to own up to. Now, jump over to, uh, well, let's keep going, actually. I don't know that this is up here, but let me read this to you. If you keep reading, we find that Pharaoh has intermingled with Solomon and, and Israel. It says, Verse uh, 24, after Pharaoh's daughter had come up from the city of David to the, palace of Sol- to the palace Solomon had built for her, he constructed the supporting terraces. What? Why is Solomon building, building a town, a, 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 excuse me, a building for Pharaoh's daughter? That's, that's not right. In fact, we find out, if you read, that, that they were married. They made a business deal, and when you make a business deal, you, you hook up. You get married. Something's not right. Because doesn't Solomon already have a wife? Yes, he does. Jump over to 10, verse 14. It says, 
it's talking about uh, Solomon's, all of Solomon's splendor. The weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents. This equates to a little over four tons of gold. That's a lot of money. Not including the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. Let me ask you this. Why? 600 beccas of gold went into each shield. He also made 300 small shields of hammered gold with three minas of gold in each shield. The king put them in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. So he didn't actually... He made these shields and then he's like, man, we got a ton of gold. Where can we put these? Let's uh, send them up to Lebanon. I mean, that's, 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 maybe they can use them up there. Like, they got so much gold, they don't even know what to do with it. He's like, what? Good grief. This was kind of the edge of Israel. Then, and this is where we start getting gaudy. Verse 18. Then, the king made a great throne inlaid with ivory and overlaid with fine gold. The throne had six steps and its back had a rounded top. You know these, these thrones you see in cartoons? You know, where you've got to walk up the steps to get to the chair, and then it's got that nice, big, rounded top. This is, a, this is it. I mean, this is like, it's so outlandish, it's cartoonish. Now, here, it goes on. Twelve lions stood on the six steps. I mean, these aren't real lions. These are like lions made of gold. And, and, and they're, they're lining the steps, okay? One at either end of each step. Nothing like it had ever been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's goblets were gold, and all the household articles in the palace of the forest of Lebanon was pure gold. It's like, okay, well, you know, we'll use Lebanon, and that's going to have all our gold. Nothing was made of silver because silver was considered of little value in Solomon's day. (laughs) Oh, my goodness! You know, it's like, this is just crazy. Everything's gold. So much so that they have, silver's worthless. The king had a fleet of trading ships at sea along with the ships of Hiram, and this is how he got all his gold. Once every three years it returned carrying gold, silver, and ivory, and apes and baboons. What do you need with apes and baboons? So, so there's nothing wrong with this. Understand something? There's nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this, but notice what we don't see here. We don't see, and Solomon worshipped God. We don't see, and Solomon gave this to the right, for the right things, and, and invested it in, in, in the temple, and you don't find Solomon, man after God's own heart. And so you see hints of Solomon fading away. Now, don't turn here, but in Deuteronomy 17... Verses 17 and 18. Solomon knew that this stuff was wrong. And in verse 17 and 18, I can find it here, he says, He must not take, take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Verse 18, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law, taken from that, of the priests who are the Levites. Solomon knew this. Solomon had this memorized. 
Solomon understood this, and he went against it. Jump over to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings 11. This is where we see Solomon just outright break things down with his relationship with God. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. He knew this long before he ever took concubines. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He was a romantic. Unfortunately, he couldn't focus his romanticism on one woman. He had 700 wives of royal birth. In other words, these were, these were deals that he had made, land deals, gold deals, whatever. 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. These were just women that he kind of had on the side. And his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. Didn't we, we just read that, didn't we? Didn't God say that would happen? And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the god of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Following Molech involved child sacrifice, infants that you threw into a fire. This is how far Solomon's gone. So, and, may, and maybe many of you have not read this verse before. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David, his father, had done. Solomon knew this. He knew, he knew, he knew, he had it memorized. He understood that this was wrong. It says in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, something that he had memorized in his heart. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Sites, 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 seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will, will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Solomon lost his integrity. Gone. Not with necessarily one decision, but decision after decision after decision, Solomon blew it. He was the richest, wisest man in the world. And he blew it. I look at a lot of guys. I'm a big apple guy. You know that? I mean, you look back there. We got apples. You know, we run everything off of apple computers because they're the best. But you look at somebody like the CEO of Apple. 
and, and I look at that, and I see, man, he's got everything that he could ever possibly want. But nobody looks at him and says, he is a man of integrity. Because he's lied, he's lied, and he's lied. What they do to protect their company, so they say, or to protect their secrets, is they'll lie to put stuff out there, and then they'll come out with something. For instance, before the iPod came out, they never told anybody. When there were rumors, they just denied it. And then they came out with it, and it was, you know, at first it was all right, and then all of a sudden it got bigger and bigger and bigger. With the iPad, y'all know the new iPad? Coolest thing on earth. Love it. I don't have one, but it still looks cool. And I go to the Apple store to play. Uh, the iPad was just, when the fir- rumors first came out, they, they said, no, there's not, a, there's not a market for it. We, we, it would be silly to make something like that. Who can, who can make something that, that would take little power but have such a big screen? A year later, Apple does. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at that. Now, y'all know me. I'm very pro-Apple. But I don't trust anything that they say. They've got no integrity in my mind. Because they've blown it and made decision after decision after decision to say, let's say this, but do this. Integrity is the culmination of your choices, of your actions that reveal your character. Solomon lost his integrity over time in the decisions that he made. The wives that, that he accumulated was the straw that broke the camel's back with God. God was showing mercy, showing mercy, showing mercy. You're accumulating all this junk. What are you doing, Solomon? And then he gets all these wives and like, that's it. I can't deny that you're just evil anymore. And that's where God relented on his mercy and said, I gave you a choice. You're not a man after God's own heart. Not like your father. Now, you can easily lose your integrity all at once as well. You can lose your integrity all at once, or you can lose it over time. It's it's easy to do it either way. Turn to the book of Job. And we're going to look at Job real quick. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Otherwise pronounced as Job. Job is a man who is being tortured by Satan. I mean, literally. He, he, the Bible describes a story that he goes before guys like, God, uh, I, I, want, uh, I want to torture somebody. I want to take somebody out. And, eh, okay. God's like, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at my servant Job, and I want to show you what integrity looks like. And so here's what happens. All of his possessions are taken away. All of his livestock is burned. All of his employees were captured and killed. And a house that had all of his children in it collapsed on them and kills them all. He finds out about every one of these things within one minute. One minute. Everything is taken away from him. A servant comes up and he says, Dude, all your possessions... Some, some guys have come and they robbed us and they took it away. I was the only one to get away. The next servant comes up and says, all your livestock was burned with this great fire and, 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 and they were all, it was all burned up. 
I was the only one to survive. All your employees were captured and killed. I was the only one to survive. Another one comes up. A house collapsed on your children. I was the only one to survive. One minute, his life is destroyed. And in Job chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. At this time, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. What? In worship. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. That's integrity. That's incredible. What about you? How would you, how would you fare in this situation? I mean, this is, I don't know how i do on that. God, you took away my kids. God, you took away my house. God, you took away my church. God, what are you doing? Job recognizes who is stronger, who is holier, who is mighty. And then Satan goes back to God and he says, hey man, come on, let me take him out. God says, you can do anything you want to him bodily, but you can't kill him. So in Job chapter 2, verse 9, Satan does that. He's got boils all over his head, or from his head to his toe, rather. And, and, and it, the Bible says that he takes a piece of broken pottery and just starts to scrape them off. How disgusting and painful this must have been. And in verse 9, his wife is just, I mean, just going crazy on him. His wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. In other words, she was saying, dude, you're miserable. Curse God. Maybe he'll just, he'll just kill you. Maybe he'll zap you with a lightning bolt. And in verse 10, it says, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin and what he said. Now, please understand, God doesn't bring evil, but he will allow you to go through some things. He allowed Satan to go after Job. And so he says, he says, what are you, crazy? God gives to us. In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Everything's taken away from him. His body is breaking down, and he refuses to go against God. He refuses to be on the wrong team. Job understood, understood that integrity came from his heavenly Father. Integrity comes from God. And he understood that with a single word, he could throw it all away. Just by one flippant remark. He could toss his relationship with his heavenly father away. Job 27, jump, jump down. There's a lot that goes on in between here. Obviously, his friends come. They start ragging on him. They're like, dude, why don't you just let it go? Dude, what have you done to bring this from God? What, what's going on with you? Verse 27, verses 1 through 6, he says, says, And Job continued his discourse. He's talking to his friends. He says, As surely as God lives, who has denied me justice, the Almighty, who has made me taste bitterness of soul. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? Bitterness of soul. That's how he describes it. 
as long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness, and my tongue will utter no deceit. I will never admit you are in the right. He's talking to his friends who just are saying, maybe God's after you. That's what it is. God's after you. I will never admit you are in the right till I die. I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. David, I mean, Job understood that he could lose everything here. He's already lost everything out here. He could lose everything here in one moment. He knew that everything was perishable. But if you make wise decisions, you will build your life around something that only you possess. Your moral character. Your integrity. This is what Job knew. He hung on to. Even when people are beating him emotionally and mentally, when he's beaten physically, he says, I will not let it go. This is mine. God has placed it here. I trust him. I will follow him. He had and kept his high moral character. And then jump to the last chapter. Some of the last verses. Your life is not built upon your wealth. Job, uh, scholars believe, was the wealthiest man on the planet at the time. By the way, the book of Job is believed to be the first book of the Bible ever written. Even before um, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And Job is an incredible example of what it means to have integrity. I, I, I know a lot of guys who you look at him and you say, man, that, that is a guy of integrity. But then their choices... Don't actually bring that out. And you have to rethink. Because everybody else thinks that they have all this great integrity, but then you look at their choices and you say, whoa, 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 what's going on? That doesn't make sense to me. Where are you at with your choices, with your integrity? Where do you stand with God? And, and, and listen to me. There's always a time to begin to build your moral character. There's always a time to begin to say, I want to be a man or woman of integrity. Now, I look around the room and know you guys, and I am so proud of all of us because I can look around the room and say, I see people with high moral integrity. I see people who make decisions and choices based upon their relationship with God, based upon furthering His kingdom, based upon seeing His kingdom grow. Your integrity is the culmination of the choices which lead to the actions which reveal your character. No one looks at you and says, man, you got a lot of money. You must be a great guy. You know, nobody does that. Nobody looks at you and says, wow, look who he or she's dating. They must be great. They base it off of your decisions. They base they base it off of the actions that you take. So in Job 42, we see the reward of his integrity by God. 
verse 42, uh, chapter 42, verse 12. It says, The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter, well, it goes on, I won't, I won't read on, but basically it says when they married off, he gave the sons inheritance, and when, they married, when the daughters got married off, he gave them an inheritance as well. This was, I mean, this never happened. You don't give the daughter inheritance. In fact, the husband of that daughter is supposed to pay you. You don't give her an inheritance. This didn't happen. Job was blessed by God because he was a man of integrity. Listen, guys, this is so important. Understand this right here. When you make decisions based upon integrity, based upon the fact that you want to follow Christ, when you make decisions based upon that, not based on everything else in the world, God comes into that decision and he works in it and blesses it in some way, somehow. I, I, I can't explain it, but he takes that decision and says, this is the wise thing to do. You are following me. This is what I want from a man or woman of God. And he will bless you with his presence. He, he, I mean, it, something, somehow he takes care of you if you will be a man or woman of integrity. I'm not, and we are not a church that says, if you do it and you, you do it, it's going to make you, a, give you a bunch of money and you're going to be a millionaire and all. It's not the way it works. God, I mean, he did it with Job. That doesn't mean he wants to do it with you. Maybe he's got something deeper for you spiritually. Integrity is the culmination of your actions, your choices, your decisions that reveal your character. So those are choices that each one of these men have woven into the tapestry of their lives. Every decision that you make is a decision that's woven into your life. Who would you rather be like? Job, obviously. Solomon, no. But who are you like right now? And if, if you're leaning more towards Solomon than you are Job, how do you change that and start getting the thread deep into the fabric to hold so that you've got no holes? How do you make a character full of integrity? Every choice, every choice is always yours. Make it one that follows Christ with all of your heart. Father, I pray that you will do great things in us because we make wise choices for you. I pray that our choices, our decisions will lead to action that will glorify you. May we not be like Solomon who, who makes choices to build up wealth and to build up themselves and, and our selfishness. May we be like Job who wants to be a man of integrity. May we be like Job, Father, who, who refuses to give up the one thing that you've placed in our hearts, that is our integrity. God, may we have godly integrity, godly character.
Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.